are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. If you'd like to learn more about CBC, check out our website at cbcofsavannah.org. And now this week's message. To this one that our hearts this morning, right now, are hungry for, this one that we praise and adore, this one loves to be generous and faithful to his own. So let us go to him now in prayer, hungry and desperate for him to be faithful. Let's go to him. Oh God, you are the God of Mary and of Elizabeth and of Joseph. You did the unthinkable and the impossible in order to save the unsavable. And we adore you. You are the God we read about in Joshua who loves to fulfill his promises to his people and gave them a land they did not deserve and could not otherwise conquer apart from you simply giving it to them. You are the God of a greater deliverer than even Joshua. Jesus, who leads us into a greater promised land than Canaan. Heaven. You are the God who gave some of us the gospel this year, who drew us out of the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that you love. And you are the one who preserved others of us in the gospel you gave us long ago because you lose none of those whom you have chosen. You are sovereign and know all things. You are mighty to save and too mighty to oppose. And you are good. Oh God, our bodies are older now than they were a year ago and more weary for it. But you have not grown weary. We have changed, but you have not. You are the same forever, and we adore you. You are the God outside of time, and ordain all things inside of time according to your perfect timing, and we trust you. You are the God who gives and takes away, and we bless your name. You are the God who created us for worship, and this morning, God, right now, we worship you. We praise and bless your name alone because no other God we have ever worshipped has ever loved us as you have or has ever been worthy of our affection or honor or praise or esteem or devotion or singing or worship like you alone are, O Lord. And God, we confess. We confess now that although you are worthy of all of these things, we are in ourselves unable to worship you as you deserve and as you require because we fall short as worshipers. Some of us too easily believe that you, like the new year, change over time, but you do not change. We believe that you're like Santa Claus and give gifts because we are good and then take them away because we've been naughty, but you are not like that. We think of you like you were like us, giving gifts where we are likely to be rewarded with gifts in return. But you are not like us. Many of us have the year ahead in view, but not eternity. 
And we are tempted to live for the lesser and not the greater. And in this we confess, God, that we are wrong. Some of us have grand notions of what we will do or what we will be in 2014 because we rely on our own understanding and seek our own will instead of saying, if the Lord wills, we will go to this city or that, or not my will, but yours be done. And God, in this, we are wrong. Some of us do not have grand notions of what we will be in 2014 because we have so little hope ahead. We are discouraged and depressed because our hope is actually rooted in a world that we feel is vain and fickle and we are frightened by the year ahead because we have too low a view of you and trust you so very little. And in God, in both our arrogance and our fear, we confess this morning that we are wrong. Oh God, though we were made for you, we so easily worship the wrong things and neglect the care of our souls, of our neighbors, and we stray from you. And in, in all of these, we confess, God, we are wrong. But, oh God, for this reason, we thank you that we are loved on account of Christ and his perfect righteousness rather than our own. Thank you. Thank you that our greatest hope is in heaven and not in the world or the flesh or the devil. Because your promise stands, God, that what you began, you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And we thank you that the coming of a new year is a reminder that that day of Christ Jesus is nearer now than it ever has been. Thank you, God. Thank you for preserving the preaching and teaching ministry of this little church over the past several years. For our unity in the gospel, for our communion, for our common hope in Jesus. Thank you for the members of this church who have committed to caring for one another well for the elders and deacons of this church who care for us and love us well. Thank you for the studies we've had this year through Ephesians, Revelation, Joshua, and for every good thing you have accomplished in your people by them. So now, God, because you are a good father and love to be generous and give good gifts to your children, we now ask you, God, because it, it honors you to ask you for good things. We ask you, God, for your grace and provision and the year ahead. Will you change us from the people we once were and conform us more into the image of Christ? Will you do that, God? Will you grant in us the mind and heart of Jesus and build us together in him for your glory and our greatest, most satisfying good? Please, please, God, give us not merely salvation from wrath, but, O oh God, also grant us conformity to Christ and sanctification in righteousness. O oh God, please prepare us for heaven and for worship and use the year ahead as a means towards that glorious end. Will you help us to not merely make New Year resolutions for the upcoming months, but also grant us now, in this moment, repentance today for the things we have done or left undone in the year behind. Oh God, cause the gospel, please, to thrive in our hearts. Will you also cause the gospel to thrive throughout Savannah? Will you, God, for your own glory, will you cause other churches in Savannah who love and preach your word 
Will you bless them? Will you make them stronger in the gospel? God, would you bless them even more than you blessed us? Ten times more than you blessed us, God, for your glory. But then also, Lord, would you also please, please bless us? Cause us to persevere in the gospel too, that we would grow spiritually and not just merely numerically or because of a new sanctuary. God, would you cause us to have wisdom regarding ABFs and how to care for children in the nursery and regarding the preaching and teaching ministry of this church and how to care for one another. God, would you please cause us to love one another well from out of the overflow of your love for us and with the affection of Christ Jesus. Would you do that, God? Will you bless those in the year ahead who are going to get married? And then God also help those who will struggle in the year ahead with staying married. Will you help those who will die in this coming year? Will you help them to persevere in the Lord until the end? And will you help those who lose loved ones to find comfort and rest in the one who says, I am the resurrection and the life? Oh God, will you cause those who will be born this year to be born again someday because you are able to? God, will you give us meaningful labor and places to serve at work, and at home in our communities this year so that we may know and image you in each of these. And God, will you bless our president? Please, God. And our national and state and local leaders and cause every good thing they intend to do. Cause it to flourish. Cause it to be successful. And God, will you thwart every evil thing that may be plotted? We ask all of this for your glory because you are worthy of it and for our good because we need it and because you are able and because we are not. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, it's the end of a year and therefore the beginning of a new year. So this is a, a reasonable and appropriate time to take stock, to consider the year behind and the year ahead. And so let's recall from Joshua chapter 3 and 4 that, um, that Bill just preached on not too long ago. Where God is bringing his people out of Egypt, he takes them through a river. Brings them through a river, the, the, the Red Sea, in order to rescue them from the bondage of slavery. They wander around in the wilderness for 40 years, and then he takes them through another river, the Jordan, to give them Canaan. And we see something extraordinary, that it's the same God who delivers his people through one river as he does a different river. It's the same God. Different rivers, same God. And as he's taking them through the Jordan, Joshua says, hey, we need 12 stones. Not from over yonder or over there, but from right there in the middle of this dried up riverbed. Pick them up and move them out. And then he stacks them on top of each other at Gilgal. And he does this because he says, at some point, your children are going to ask, hey, daddy, what are those stones there for? And then you gents are to tell your sons and daughters, those, son, those stones, son, are from the bottom of the Jordan River. Oh, Dad, that's a big river. Those are big stones. How's that even possible? Exactly. Because God is able to do immeasurably more than all we've ever asked or imagined 
That's the God who brought us out of Egypt through the Red Sea. That's the God who brought us through the Jordan. And these stones right here are a testimony of what God alone has done for us. So this morning, we're going to consider some stones. We're going to apply the sermon that we heard some weeks ago. And we're going to consider some stones in our life so that we can look back at those stones And by looking back at those stones, we can take greater hope and comfort and encouragement in future rivers because the same God delivers us from all of them, through all of them. It's important for us to remember what God has done in our life in a year behind so that we may trust him for the year ahead. Consider the difficulties And the good things, the hard things that God has brought you through in 2013. Remember them. Don't forget them. Because he will require that you remember them for the year ahead. For the good things and hard things ahead. But this morning we're going to hear from three of our own as they tell a testimony of what God has done in their life. As you listen, have a soft heart and consider the same God, the Red Sea, It's also with the Jordan, different rivers, same God, doing the same thing, delivering us, preparing us for something wonderful. Hear the stories, consider your own, and then consider the same God who was faithful and kind to us in the year before is faithful and trustworthy for the year ahead. With that, let us start. Victoria. Victoria Loper is sister that's been with us for some time. She's got a great story of God bringing her out of the dominion of darkness, out of Egypt, through a river, and then to another river, the Jordan, and then into something great and glorious. Victoria, sister, will you tell us a little bit about what the Lord has done in your life? Good morning. Uh, This past week, um, I've been praying and asking God to help me write out my testimony. The student in me began to research on the internet different ways on how to write your testimony. And every article I read suggested that you first pray, um, asking God to make use of my testimony for his purposes, to tell all of you through my story of his love and grace. Then the next question I found in most of the articles prompted me to ask myself, what brought me to the realization that I needed a savior? And what came to my mind over and over again was I met a guy in my college debate class. His name is Matthew. He was my debate partner, and one day we were going over some cases, and um, it drifted into discussing more personal things. And now looking back, what drew me most to him wasn't necessarily his physical appearance. It was seeing Christ reflected in him. And I didn't realize that's what I was seeing at the time, but I didn't... I saw patience in him, compassion, and a type of understanding that I didn't think existed. So when he invited me to church one Sunday, I didn't hesitate. Um, Then uh, that morning, um, sitting here on Sunday, Bill was preaching a sermon on prayer and on being specific in your prayer, and he addressed a sin that I had been dealing with for many months and one that I knew I had to tell Matt before anything, any I could go any further. And um, that particular sin was abortion. And I immediately began to cry because I could feel my heart aching and yearning to be freed from all the pain. I needed help. I needed help 
for someone to pull me out of that dark pit that had become my life, and I knew that accepting God's gift of forgiveness um, was the only way to do that, and it meant relinquishing control over my circumstances and allowing his love to heal my soul and my heart. So it was then that I accepted his gift, and I was redeemed, and I felt the burden lifted off my heart for killing my child because I thought it would ruin my life for being promiscuous with far too many people, for drinking excessively, experimenting with drugs, blaspheming and using people for my own personal gain. All of these things have been the result of an issue that resulted, that was since I had been graduated high school. I had built up in my mind that because I couldn't depend on or didn't feel like I could depend on my parents or my family, that it was me against the world. So I put all of my faith in myself and in my ability to graduate college, secure a job, and everything would be fine. And I would never have to depend on anyone again. And in my mind, that translated to never being hurt again. Um, so after that happened, as with many young women who graduate and are young, I met a guy and I fell for him very hard. And um, I placed all of my hopes and dreams on a future and I had lofty romantic ideas. And so, when it all fell apart and my heart was broken and I was just shattered, it was at that pivotal moment in my life where I felt this kind of desperation within myself to make the pain go away. And I had no one to talk to, no one to help guide me through what I was, you know, experiencing. Um, so I was in this frantic search that always resulted in disappointment and pain. And when I found myself in this place, it began to be a race to find the next thrill that would temporarily fill the hole inside. And little did I know that each time I did something more extreme, more extravagant, and I fell deeper and deeper away from God, that the hole was just getting bigger. And so that resulted in more in drinking and the drugs and sex and partying that all culminated in my having an abortion. But after receiving God's amazing gift of pure love, I began to forgive myself for my sins and work through the pain concerning the abortion. Almost immediately, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit to completely quit drinking, and I have no taste for it anymore. Um, I began to dress more modestly. I stopped cursing completely. In relation to dating Matt, who is now my fiancé, um, I made a commitment in my heart to help both of us stay pure throughout our dating relationship, however long it was going to last, because I didn't want him to make the same mistake that I had made by having sex before marriage, because it, it just ruined so many different things. Um, and by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit, we have kept that promise. <laughs> Um, I guess one of the reasons Bill wanted me to speak today is because of the radical and dramatic effects that happened in my life almost immediately. Um, and over that year, a lot of external things did change. And now throughout this last past year, um, it's been more intrinsic and deeper things that um, I've been wrestling with. But um, I almost I felt the need to involve myself in the church because I wanted to give back because I was just so thankful for all those things that God had been doing. And so um, I, for a year and a half, I've been serving the 815 nursery. And uh, a year and a half later, I love it and adore it. And you will find me there every Sunday morning for as long as I can possibly be there. Um, I was baptized last December. I became involved in a college Bible study that Matt was leading at Armstrong. 
and I was introduced to some of the most amazing and inspirational people that I've ever met, and they are my best friends. Um, I joined the ladies' small group here at church, and God began to teach me the value of having mentors and friendships with women of all ages, and I began to support a good friend of mine and her and her husband's journey of adoption, which really helped to heal my heart, having given up my own child that I felt I needed or could help them to gain one of their own. And um, I, I began to read scripture more, I prayed more, I read more Christian literature, and I truly began to seek God with all of my heart. But I won't lie to any of you sitting here today, many of the lessons I've learned have been very hard lessons, and I've wrestled with God a lot. And um, at one point, I remember telling Matt, I'm just tired, I don't have any more fight in me to fight with him. And um, so he's been working on me in patience, humility, and contentment in my life, and more recently, grace. I'm far from totally understanding these things, both intellectually and of a human action knowledge, but I, I try to keep pressing forward, um, each day making a little progress with new challenges. And currently, if you ask me today, where am I at right now? Um, currently, I have no job. I'm getting married in April. I have a student loan to pay next year. And God has me in a place I've never been in my whole life. The road before me is not clearly paved. I have no school. I have no commitments. And some days I'm scared, and other days I'm not. Um, but I just keep pressing forward and praying that his will would be done to prepare my heart for what lies before me and to give me the strength I need to do whatever it is he deems I need to do for him. It has been an amazing month. There are hard lessons, but the results are also amazing. And I know I'm not alone. Um, he has provided for me every step of the way, financially, spiritually, and emotionally, and I'm very, very much looking forward to this new year. And I pray that God would use not only my testimony, but the testimonies of two other individuals coming up here today in his perfect way to help this body. Thank you. Thank you, sister, for telling us a great story of a faithful God, and uh, we would like to pray for you now. God, we thank you for your kindness to our sister, kindness that she didn't deserve or actually even know to ask for. We thank you that you just gave it because you are a good and gracious God. God, we ask that you would help her in, in the days ahead in light of all the good things that you've done in her life. We pray, God, that you would give her hope and faith and love in you, that she would persevere in the gospel. Thank you for the upcoming marriage with Matt and for the hope and the future that you've given her in Christ. Would you cause her, God, to rejoice and delight in you? Thank you for giving her a new life, oh God, and we ask that for your own glory, you will bring it fruitfulness and conformity to Christ for her happiness and for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Next, we're going to hear from uh, our brother, Chuck Mitchell, who has also another extraordinary story of how God stepped into his life, intervened graciously, kindly, changing his course uh, to bring him to a place that he, just a few years ago, would have never imagined being. Chuck, will you tell us about what God's doing in your life? Good morning. Oh, the wonderfully caffeinated 1115 crowd. If you don't have appreciation for what Bill Fowler and Gary William do, doing three services, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's something. Bill, come here now, third time. 
I'd like to do two things today. One, uh, tell you quickly how I got to this point and then go back to my testimony. I'm a commercial real estate agent in town here. And on December 10th of this year, after five years of work, we finally closed the sale I've been working on. Uh, it was postponed from October to November, December, and I was praying, please, Lord, let this happen. We need this check for Christmas <laughs> and for a lot of things. And um, he was gracious enough to allow that to happen. And the next day on the 11th, as I thanked him for you know, delivering that, that grace to me, um, I also attended uh, a men's Christian prayer breakfast that my friend Rip Mache had invited me to. During that meeting, one of the gentlemen stood up and provided his testimony, kind of like we're doing here today. And uh, that's in front of a, probably the most powerful group of businessmen and women in all of Savannah. I'm looking at this guy thinking, I don't know how he's doing that. I could never do that. Before the paint dried on that promise, a phone call came from Bill, asked me what I was doing this weekend if I was going to be in town, and uh, brings me to today. And I, I almost started laughing when, when he asked me the question. It's like, are you kidding me? The coincidence of that is, is absolutely amazing. So here I am. My story is probably not unlike so many you hear, uh, handle the Lord's on you, and you're too ignorant and dumb and stupid to understand it. And that was my life. Um, there's probably a, a Sunday school teacher out there has told the kids there's no I in Jesus, and, and without it, you're, you're by yourself, and that was me. Everything I did was me. Um, I was convinced that if uh, you needed God, you were weak, it was a crutch, and I lived my life all by myself, a nice little island. But as Bill and William and you know, Gary have said you know, over these months uh, you know, in the preaching, um, it takes someone in need to appreciate the, the, the ability to walk with Christ. When you've got everything you want, it, it's kind of hard to understand that. And that's the kind of growing up I had. I had everything I needed. I was tall, fairly athletic, not as good as William, but I you know, was quarterback, football player, uh, pitcher on the baseball team, center on the basketball team, dated the best-looking girl, varsity cheerleader squad, had a nice car. You know, life was good. <laughs> um, and it was all my doing, of course. Um, went to a good college, went to a better business school, I was fortunate enough to be hired by a company in Cincinnati called Procter & Gamble and promoted to brand manager there in record timing. And of course, that's all Chuck Mitchell. Had nothing to do with anybody else. It was all my doing. Um, married a wonderful wife, had wonderful kids, and never appreciated all these wonderful, I, I loved, appreciated, but it was all my doing. It wasn't, I didn't think anything was happening. Um, came down here in Savannah. Some guys that left Proctor came down here and uh, had started up a project called The Landings, and they gave me an opportunity to do the marketing down here. And from 1984 to, to 19, um, almost 2000, um, The Landings enjoyed some phenomenal times. And of course, that was all me again. I was doing the marketing. It's all my doing. Um, and uh, talk about egotistical. And then uh, first shot across the bow that maybe the hand of the Lord was coming off of me um, is when uh, International Paper bought Union Camp, and it's like, uh-oh, I don't know what's going to happen here. I lasted a year about that, and then a company called Creston Resources was coming into town to do a project called Oldfield, wanted me to do that, and I jumped at it. Had the three best years of my life. You know, everything kind of lines, the star, the moon, the suns. I was 45 years old, had all the contacts in town, knew everybody, knew all the best people, um, and they gave me a, an incredible amount of money and all the freedom in the world to put this team together, and we did great things, which again was just all, in my opinion, my, my doing. And uh, you know what a shame I couldn't see. I was being blessed. Um, and the Lord really started to come off. After three and a half years, I went into a planning meeting, and I was told, uh, hey, listen, everything's great, but uh, we're changing direction. You're too close to the project. We no longer need your services. Now, if any of you guys out there and ladies have ever been fired, it's not a, it's not a happy event. I was so... So personally involved with this project, I couldn't even continue the meeting. I had to get up and walk out. 
went home, cried my wife's shoulder, didn't know what I was going to do, I'd failed. It's got to be one of the low points in your life. Um, again, Lord blessed me, the guy I'd done some business deals with said, you know land, I know people, I know brokerage, join me, we'll set up a company, we'll make tons of money. And boy was he right. 2005 and 2006 were probably the best years in the local real estate market. We involved most of the large land, scale, land sales to builders and developers. I made more money in those years than I'll ever make again in my life. And life was good, and it was all because of me again. Well, the final shot cross came, came up bow here with the Great Recession. And we were convinced after the other downturns that this one would end quickly. So we kept our offices in Hilton Head and Charleston and Savannah open. And instead of cashing checks, we started writing checks. I started working in 1980, putting my money into my 401ks, my retirement funds. Over the next five, six, seven years, I pulled every last dollar of that out, trying to keep this business alive. My wife's father died. We got a little inheritance. We threw that at it as well. And you come to that magic point where all of a sudden, if you're the big hotshot, what are you going to do next? And I didn't have a plan. My son is an avid car guy, and he'd always told me, Dad, you've got to come to these NASCAR races. You've got to see this in these Formula One guys. They're the greatest athletes in the world. You know, they dance on the head of the pin. They're absolutely on the razor's edge of death every second, and they, they are phenomenal. And I went through a couple of those races, and they are indeed phenomenal. And he said, you know, he told me, these guys, for all the ego and all the control they believe, they're told when they're going to get into an accident, they've got to take their hands off the wheel and cross their hands in front of their chest. And he said, that's the hardest thing for these guys to do because they don't want to give up control because they're not used to giving up control. And that was the point I was at. Uh, people you see, a guy you see up here a lot, Rhett Mache, plays the keyboard, had been hounding me for months. Go to my small group. Go to my Bible study group. Go to IPC for the luncheon you know, sermon. Um, come to church. And I'd kind of turned that down. My wife was in a Bible study group, and she wanted to tell me what she was learning. It's like, Nancy, that's nice, but that's just not for me. But that began to hit on a chord. And uh, like the cold I've got now, and I apologize for sounding like I got a mitten on my nose, but my wife made me chicken soup the other day. And you know when you're sick, you just feel like you soak up the soup. <laughs> it just feels like it's good stuff. Well, the same thing happened the first time I attended here, um, I guess about six months ago, and heard Bill speak. It was like, wow, there's, there's food, there's sustenance. I never had anything like that before in my life. And uh, came back again, came back again, hopped on the website. My wife is incredulous. You're actually going to church without me sometimes. She's out the Methodist church at Skidaway. Downloaded the sermons, started listening to all these guys three years back, uh, driving to and from work every day. Uh, they changed the website a little bit, and I couldn't read the sermons on my uh, iPhone anymore to punch the right numbers in. So I started listening to the, the Bible. You can actually listen to it online, have the books read to you. And uh, my life began to change. And uh, a day when I decided to kind of take my hands off the wheel in the parking lot landings, a couple deals had gone bad again. I think, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if we're going to be able to pay these bills. You've all heard the stories. I said, you know, Lord, I'll turn my life over to you. I'm taking my hands off. I'm not, I'm not the hot shot. Um, I'm turning my life over to you. Let me know what you want me to do. The next day, the phone started to ring. Some deals we'd had gone bad came back miraculously, and it's like, are you kidding me? I cannot believe this. Um, and uh, th that, is the, that is the day and point in time my whole life changed. And um, it, has, it has, is it perfect? It, are we rich? Are we rolling it? No, but no one will ever be. But do I have what I need right now? Yes. Do I have a great group of friends in the small group, uh, the people, all you folks out here now who are walking with Christ? Yes. Um, is it going to be easy? No. But it's been a very, very special time. So my wish for, our, for you folks, everybody out here, is two. One, for the people who believe, um, 
don't ever, ever think that your faith is not going to have a benefit on somebody down the road because uh, a guy like me will say, no, 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 keep trying, you will get through. Second, if you're on the fence, walking with Christ is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And t for me to stand up here within six months of going through this whole experience and make that statement is amazing in its own right. And I highly recommend it if you're considering it. So talk to William, talk to Bill, talk to Gary, me, even if you want to. But that's, I think it would be a wonderful thing for you all. And that's my story. Chuck, thanks so, so much, brother. Let's, uh, let's pray for Chuck. God, what other God is able to bring men who are so hard-bent against you to himself? Thank you for your kindness to soften Chuck's heart. Thank you, God, for saving him from gaining the whole world but forfeiting his soul. Thank you, God, for giving him better things than he ever desired than he ever had that he's ever known and giving them even against his will because you were just that good thank you god for giving him meaningful relationships now for preserving him in the gospel and for giving him faith and hope and love and heaven and the promise of christ thank you for giving him all of these things god would you encourage him in the year ahead to trust you in light of all of your goodness in his life thus far we thank you for our brother god and pray that you would preserve him in the gospel for his good and for your glory and for our encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen. And then finally, we have our brother, Mike Byrne. He and his wife, Amy, have been here for a while, and they have had an exciting year, or an exciting two months, really, and uh, an exciting year ahead. Mike, will you tell us a little bit about that? Thank you. Okay, good morning. Um, this, is a, this is a good story, uh, but I, I am sad that um, this, we're leaving CBC. This is our last uh, visit here as a family. Um, and I, it, my wife's name is Amy, and we have three kids. If you work in the nursery, uh, Grace, Annabelle, and Reed, um, you might know them better than us. So um, <laughs> we've been coming here for a few years now. We got baptized two years ago. I work at Gulfstream. I've been down in Georgia for five years, originally from Philadelphia area. Um, so I'm convinced that Bill asked me just so that a Phillies fan stood on the stage today. <laughs> so, um, but uh, things were going great um, this year, and I, I had a promotion at work, and family's been good, and God just blessed us. Uh, we, we bought a house and settled in, um, made good friends, and we love CBC. And so if you asked me a few months ago where we'd be next year or five years, uh, working at Gulfstream, going to CBC, raising kids. Um, and then about two months ago, we were in our community group, and someone asked the question, how do you discern God's will for the big stuff that's not necessarily in the Bible, like well, when to move, when to take a, a new job, what school to go to, stuff like that. And we kind of fumbled through it, and, and I don't think anyone was really happy with the answers. I said, oh, well, maybe we should just go ask Gary. Um, so we go to church, and that's the same Sunday of the deception of the Gibeonites sermon. Um, if you remember that, you, you can get it on the website if, if you weren't here. But the two points that Bill made, um, the questions he asked are, are we prayerful in decision-making, and do we trust God will lead us by the Spirit? And if you're like me and my wife, the answer to those questions was pretty much no. 
Um, we wanted to get married, we got married. We wanted to uh, move overseas, we moved overseas. We wanted to come to Georgia, we just came to Georgia. We wanted kids, we had kids. It, was, it just, um, God's always been there, but that was never something we did. Um, but I didn't have any decisions to make. Uh, so it was just something to file away. And within a few days, my brother called me, and he's, uh, he's my younger brother. He's 27 years old. And he said, I bought the company I work for. It's a small business, and I, I want you to come up and work for me. And I was like, what do you do again? <laughs> and uh, he works in medical equipment, and I, you know, I work at Gulfstream. So I was like, wow, $60 million aircraft and then wheelchairs and commodes. Sounds great, man. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of good things. You know, be closer to family. We're, we're from Pennsylvania, and there's practical reasons to want to go up. And I called um, some of the leaders in the church and said, you know, this, this is an opportunity. I don't know what to do. And th they directed me, well, do you talk to your wife? I said, I don't know what she'd say about that. <laughs> so she laughed, looked me in the eye, and said, you will never work for your brother. Um, she knows my brother very well. Uh, we've been uh, married for almost nine years. So, And if you knew my brother, you'd probably say the same thing. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, I said, okay, well, I, we know where we kind of stand, but let's, let's pray about it and just say, God, your will be done. And if that meant, you know, if we don't go, great. I'll be, I can be happy with that. It took me a while to get there. Lots of conversations and discussions and some arguments, and I was sometimes thinking we're going to go and sometimes thinking we're not going to go. And uh, so finally she called me at, at work one day, and she said, you should go up and check it out. And I said, okay. And uh, she said, you have to take the two-year-old. I said, okay. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm in the airport with, my, uh, with Annabelle and a car seat and a humongous bag because I didn't want to check, pay $50 to check a bag. And I'm kind of struggling, and I hear this voice, and Mike. I turn around, and there's uh, Kurt Perry. He, he goes to CBC here. And he's a, very, he's a, a, a good guy, very wise. He's been a believer for a long, long time. And I said, well, let me tell you this crazy story, Kurt. And uh, he's moved around a lot. He's taken a lot of different jobs um, in the military. He retired, and now he wor works for Gulfstream. So he gave me examples of when he took jobs and when he didn't take jobs, um, things to look for. So I had that in my ears uh, going up back to Pennsylvania. It was a huge blessing to kind of have some, someone like that on the plane as I was going to Atlanta um, and then to Philly. So uh, we go up, and we come back, and... Um, we decide uh, we think it's the right thing to do. And my wife had kind of changed her mind, and that was the one of the m first obstacles that kind of, the first open doors, I guess, among many. Uh, so I said to my brother, how, how soon? He said, as soon as possible. I said, well, it takes a long time, like sell a house, quit a job, say goodbye. It's the holidays. I said, okay, but we'll do it. So we put our house on the market and right before Thanksgiving, which is not a good time to try to sell a house. Um, but we had some interest, and things were looking, we felt good about it, felt like we were doing the right thing. Um, and three weeks later, I'm starting to get nervous, because uh, I thought we, I, th I thought we had priced it right, and there was actually three houses in a row. We were in the middle, both bank-owned. Now it's like, this is not looking so good. Um, and we were the expensive one, of course. So, uh, then, on a Tuesday, I was at work, my wife called me again. And she had a rough day, and she said, the dog put a hole in the wall, like this big, 
And I was like, oh, that's bad. <laughs> we have a showing tomorrow, and Reed has a, a double ear infection. I have to go down to the doctors to get medicine last minute. Um, and I said, what's wrong with your phone? Because it sounded so strange. She said, there's milk in the phone. It's going to break. <laughs> okay. So it was a rough day. I had a, a terrible, terrible day at work, too. It was the worst day ever at work. So we come home trying to calm her down. She goes to the gym. She ends up sitting in the car crying, um, just being overwhelmed with all this. And um, the song came on. I never heard of it, but she told me about it. And it said, the lyrics part of it says, I am holding on to you. I am holding on to you in the middle of the storm. I am holding on. And that was really the point in which she kind of said, we can only do what we can do. And we've patched the wall. We fixed the phone. Um, the medicine made Reed feel better and things were looking okay. We go into Christmas uh, week thinking, well, this is really going to slow down. And now probably, you know, we might have to rent the house. I mean, I'm starting to think, man, I, I quit my job. I put my notice in. Uh, we signed a lease, and I'm going to look like an idiot soon. <laughs> and uh, and on the day before Christmas Eve, we have a last-minute showing, and it's it seemed more like a nuisance to us. It was only like 20 minutes, and we had to rush around for an hour, get three kids, clean up, get the dog out of the house. I was like, no one's going to put an offer in for Christmas. That's crazy. So Christmas Eve, they, they put an offer in, and... It was exactly uh, what we needed, not too much, um, not, not too little. It got us out of the house. So it was a huge answered prayer for us. Um, we're gonna, and they wanted to move in soon, which worked out great. So in, in a week, uh, about a little over a week, we're going to close and we'll be, we'll be moving back. Um, so if, you're, if you find yourself in a situation like that, big decisions to make, I just, I, this is a huge story for us, one we'll tell many, many times over to our friends. Um, but keep in mind, um, are we prayerful in decision-making, and do we trust God will lead us by the Spirit? Um, and we will we'll miss the, our family here. Brother, we're going to miss you as well. It's a big loss for us. Uh, thank you for your, your encouragement while you've been here. You and your wife have been a great blessing for us. It's our loss that you're leaving, but we're glad for God's providence. Uh, the scripture says that in our, in our hearts we plan our course, but the Lord directs our steps, and you're a great example and reminder of that for us. So we'd like to pray for you. God, you are kind to lead us in directions that we've never anticipated, and you were kind to go before us to prepare a place for us. You've already done that, telling us that you've gone to heaven to prepare us, a place there, and in small ways, God, you've gone before us to prepare places for us here in this world to prepare us for heaven. God, do this in Mike's life. Would you do it in Amy's life? We ask that you would do this for their good, for your glory, that you would prepare them for heaven, even in this next step as you take them to Pennsylvania. Would you, God, because you're able, because you love to give good gifts to your children, will you cause them to be fruitful there spiritually, relationally, professionally, would you cause them, cause the, uh, the, the work of their hands to be fruitful, to be used for good, and then cause this move to be closer to family? Would you use it for their family spiritual good as well? And would you cause God them to be fruitful there? Would you do this? Because they bear your name, because they are those for whom you've died. And so God, we ask that for your own glory, you would bless them as they move away from us. We, uh, 
thank you for them and love them and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as the worship team comes back up, think on what you just heard and realize that their lives are not entirely different from our own in many ways. Consider how the Lord has been very kind to give you what you needed in this year behind so that you might be mindful that he will give you what you need, what he requires of you in the year ahead. Do not neglect the kindness and providence of God in the year and years behind you. Do not be unmindful of them. Let us not forget them. Let us remind one another of these stones that God has pulled out of the river. Remind one another of these things. Hear these stories. Remember your own. Encourage one another of these so that we might all the more trust God for the year ahead so that we might worship him in heaven forever.